Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Metaphysical Podcast. In part one of this discussion on Mars, we talked about claims of people being sent to the Red Planet, researchers who have found very strange and forbidden things, and suppressed remote viewing findings. In part two, we're going to talk about Mars Moon Phobos, which is the basically the United States doesn't seem like it wants to touch with a 10-foot pole, which is kind of like Buzz Aldrin. They don't seem to want to touch him with a 10-foot pole either. So is Phobos artificial or natural why is that discussion so controversial in the first place and what did john vivanco's team find when they remotely viewed mars and phobos well join me investigative researcher rob counts and john for a show that's out of this world yeah and if you are listening to the metaphysical podcast or you're watching to us on a video platform please leave us a five-star rating and review it's going to really help us reach more people and make sure that you like and subscribe wherever you're watching us all right john how are you doing good yeah. <laughs> looking forward to this one we I got know. crazy in the first episode phobos is weird what is wait wait which one is phobos is it is it fear or what is it doom which what, what is it fear and doom or fear and panic panic <laughs> phobos is panic is that right it's i think phobos it's fear panic. Phobos is fear. That's why phobo, like phobia, comes before stuff. When you have a fear of something, right? You know, it's weird. It's like their place names. Like I always look at maps for place names on, like, okay, mm, like Devil's Devil's Canyon. That looks like a good, interesting place to go <laughs> investigate. <laughs> or well, like, what is that creek? You know, that river in uh, Colorado that's called the Animus River. Right. So like, right. why would I want to go on that river? I know. Yeah. I know. But I mean, see, the place names of things mean something. I think they do, too. Yeah. They and do. I like like usually you'll find when it's called like Devil's Creek or you're like it's called Devil's Hill or something. There's some history, some like right. long ago history right. that that created that name. It was there for a reason. And then we've just forgotten over time or we take it for granted. And right. you should look back at that history and find out what happened. Yeah, exactly. It's relevant. Yeah. I mean, anywhere you see on a map, it says Skookum. You know, Skookum. you Yeah, it's the name for Bigfoot. Really? Skookum Creek, Skookum Hill, it... Skookum Pond. Is whatever. that a Native American term for? Yeah. I mean, what is one that? Of the terms that, they, that um, older tribes have used, Skookum. Hmm. Yeah. Or Booger Hill, Booger Valley. Because they call the Bigfoot something like boogers something boogers i can't remember what it is but right right they're like skunk apes down south they're right. called uh something boogers in 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 appalachia somewhere right right and then you've got places named after them so those are the places to look for weird things that's awesome good yeah. to know hope we uh get out there um to actually ex you know uh, experience some of that ourselves that'll be yeah. fun so, okay, Phobos, you, like I was surprised when you said particularly that you had a lot of data on right. Phobos because it's like such a small, tiny, you know, moon. Right. I mean, what, what is this thing like, like 14 feet or something like that? It's, it's, it's 17, sorry, 14 feet. 14. It's 17 by 14 it's miniature. by 11 miles. Exactly. It's not just like 14 feet in space. Right. Right. I mean, I mean, if you think about like the car, what is it? The Kardashev scale? Hmm. What is that? Is that what it's called? Uh, so that the Kardashev scale, when you get to uh, theorizing civilizations, like this was an, this is a, a, a scale that astrophysicists use and they, they classify potential civilizations from type one civilization all the way up to type five. Um, they've expanded it beyond type three. And when you get to a type two civilization, we aren't even like on the scale yet, as far as the human race goes, at least on the public side. But we're probably type one on the black project side. <laughs> um, type right. two, type two civilizations, they speculate can use asteroids as ships, right? Can, can control them, um, move them around, position them where they want, you know, use them as ships, basically. There you go. I mean, that's cool sci-fi stuff. I love it. Well, that, why not? Yeah. I mean, that, that, that that's Phobos right there, man. That it's, is Phobos. It's the, it's the best camouflage you could possibly have. So what you're saying is that 
you think that Phobos is a type two civilization craft that has been a p potentially hollowed out and being used as a spacecraft like that. This is a possibility out there. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, it, it's got a lot of it's got a lot of interesting aspects to it that scientists have pointed out. Um, and, you know, really just like regular scientists have wondered if it's hollow. Um, there's there are these strange streaks that go across the surface. Yeah, that and we just saw it in that last image. Like right. that. Some of them crisscross these some of these streaks and it almost appears as though there's a superstructure hmm. underneath the surface. Now, you know, as far as like the way like conventionally, theoretically, the way they say those streaks, um, this is a theory. Theory is not fact. Yet a lot of times they get propagated as fact that whatever hit the front of it right there with that big, huge indentation mm -hmm. caused the debris, the gravity of Phobos basically caused the degree to de debris to slide across the surface. Um, mm -hmm. So that's the claim. It rolled across. Boom, 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 boom. Who knows? Maybe, maybe so, maybe not theory. It's a theory, but a lot of people have pointed out that it does look like there might be a superstructure uh, underneath that. Well, that thing. does look like the clearing there is some type of unpolished metal or metallic. I don't know. It just it, I don't know. It could appear yeah. like that from far away. Right. Or just entirely like rock. I don't know. Right. But that is I mean, strange, I, though, because we're looking at all of this like reddish dust around it. And that area is just so cleaned off, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, OK, so uh, remote viewing data on this, we actually started out at the monolith. You know, the okay. monolith. So there, there is a monolith on Phobos? There is a monolith on Phobos. It's, it's near the very large crater. Um, it's basically a protruding, almost looks like an artificial object. And, you know, Buzz Aldrin has referenced it before. Yeah, there's Buzz. Yeah, what does he say here? It's not gone before. Fly by the comets, visit asteroids, visit the moon of Mars. There's a monolith there, a very unusual structure on this little potato-shaped object that, that goes around Mars once in seven hours. When people find out about that, they're going to say, who put that there? Who put that there? Well, uh, the universe. If you choose, God put it there. Is Maybe yeah, okay. weird. <laughs> weird. Generally, weird. that's not how monolith gets placed, gets placed, you know. Right, right. Somewhere. Right, exactly. So we were looking at the monolith. That's that's really like what we were looking at initially. And what we saw with the data is that it appeared to be, um, well, for one thing, there was a lot of like residual, like electronic buzzing. And it felt residual. Like, in other words, it wasn't necessarily there at the time, mm -hmm. but there was a residual kind of buzzing coming off of it um, in the data. Meaning, I mean, I mean, when you are experiencing remote viewing, you're like sensing not only in one moment, but through the past as well. So when I say residual, it's no longer in a state where it's buzzing electronically, like sending out signals because it was sending out like frequency, 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 very intense frequency. It was also, the data was describing that it was the entry point into, into the, the, the asteroid the or asteroid, whatever it is, whatever the, the moon, is, the moon. Yeah. Into, into fear basically. And, and so I, I, I was actually one of the viewers on this blind and I remember like what it was insane because this is a weird thing that happens. I've noticed that bilocation in remote viewing happens more often when you step outside of like the earth terrestrial realm. Like in, so bilocation is a state that happens to a remote viewer where they're literally two places in once at once. Right. So sitting here, you know, working on a session, da, 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 I go into an altered state as I'm writing stuff down, close my eyes. All of a sudden I pop into a scene and I'm like Whoa. fully, fully there. It's like you see everything. So what I saw when I bilocated was this like 
imagery. Like I was like on one side of it and I could see to the far end of it. And it was just this hollowed out core with structures and buildings and debris and boxes inside. And behind me was like this um, control center where the monolith, like if you went into the monolith, you would drop down like in an elevator, so to speak. And there was a control center behind me. But what I saw in front of me was this, literally like this world that was inside of it, inside of this rocky structure that beings used to exist inside of. There was, there was nothing in there when I looked at it and when the other viewers looked at it there, it was like, it was not in use. And, and so there were supplies in there. It was dark in there. There was, there was uh, stuff that was stored there for future use. And it's really interesting too, because when you get to the moon, our moon in these, some of these structures that we look at, they're abandoned. They've been abandoned for a while. They were mm. built like God knows how long ago, but they, they're, they're abandoned. And so a lot of beings and even, you know, uh, humans, when they can get to them, will use them as supply depots to put supplies in because they're sealed off locations. And so they can get back to them. And Phobos right now appears to be used as a supply, like a supply depot. Um, but in the, in the past, in the far distant past, this was part of the war the warring that was going on around Mars. And it was sort of a control structure. Like it had this very, very dark aspect to it that in part, it was like it was beaming frequency to try to subdue and control others, mm -hmm. presumably down on Mars. Um, and that's like a lot of what the data said. It was like literally about, about um, subduing minds, and and working on the side of of these uh, wars that were going on, like like working different sides and controlling minds and trying to like manipulate, it really reminded me a lot of of what's happening here on Earth, in a sense, where you have this sort of idea that there are those that are trying to control the minds of the humans. It was very very similar to that idea. So I don't know. Phobos is a weird thing. I, I wouldn't want to go there. You know, there's there's been numerous craft, like what you were saying in the intro. I mean, the, the Russians, they've been they've been trying to get to Phobos. <laughs> yeah, was it, it was this woman you you said uh, earlier named Marina Popovich, right? Right. So this is a Soviet astronaut said that Phobos craft was right. This was Phobos down. too. Now well, the, the, first, I mean, go back to Phobos one. Phobos one disappeared first. And the, well, now just so you guys know, we are talking about Phobos the moon. But here, when he says that, he's talking about the two craft from right. Russia. They were named after Phobos. Right. 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 We're sending and, probes. Russia's sending probes um, to check out these locations. Right. So, what did the Russians do? I think they sent Phobos one first, which disappeared. Then Phobos two disappeared. Okay, yeah. What happened to Phobos 2? Russian cosmonaut and U.S. Army remote viewer say something alien did. Now, this was right. an article published August 21st, 2018. Right. Well, it was, it was said that um, in the 90s, I think it was in the 90s, after Phobos 1 disappeared, like 1988, it got lost. They just lost radio contact with it. Mm. They, five days later, they sent up Phobos 2 on the heels of that. And it got into Mars orbit in 1989. And as it was going towards Phobos, I mean, its original intention was to land there, take soil samples, photographs, send them back, et cetera. And um, lost contact with it as it was going to Phobos. And so these, these photographs, right before it lost contact, uh, were received. And the photographs show some very strange things. Um, they show almost what looks like a projectile. And it, they also show what looks like a very large saucer shaped craft. Well, and that's what we were just looking at right there. Was that right. black saucer, right, right? In that image, like, right. is this a shadow? I mean, if it was, what was causing that shadow? Cause there's nothing there on the surface that could have caused that unless it's a hole. Right. Well, right. I think it was Marina Popov, the Russian astronaut said that, that, it's not a shadow. Other scientists chimed in too. This is not a shadow. There's no shadow that can appear like that. So, <clears throat> so they had, apparently this was like after the declassification of the remote viewing program, 
um, they had the ex-Army remote viewers out of the DIA do a project on it to find out what happened. And they said that a craft came up from Mars, a UFO, alien craft came up from Mars and basically shot an energy weapon at Phobos 2 in order to incapacitate it and destroy it before it got to Phobos. Um, so hmm. now when we remote viewed, you know, what happened to Phobos 2, we got the same data. Which, which is, data, oh, which so, was literally there were aliens that came up from some base on Mars to take out Phobos too because they did not want it to land. Here's the thing with Phobos: Phobos can be turned operational. So, and I think this is like a weird, really weird, interesting thing. Why do the Russians? Why are they so interested in going to Phobos? This when, is my question, John. When NASA is not. Yes, you asked that question. Why? So, but here's the thing: we all know that during, especially during the Cold War, that the Russians were doing everything and anything possible to get one up on anyone else, which right. means that their remote viewing um, experiments or projects were probably way more intense than the ones we had going over here in the United States that we're aware of. Of course, the United States, they'll go full retard with this stuff too, right? Excuse right. me for saying that, but that's just what it is. But um, Russia... If like what was on Phobos, because look, people at home, you have to understand if you have a country that has limited resources and you're going into space and you're choosing a mission, you're choosing a mission for a very specific reason, because exactly. you're looking for something. Why exactly. Phobos? Right. Was exactly. this, you know, a measuring contest to see who, 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 who is bigger and badder? I don't think so. Like something had to have been there. No, there's there's two different things going on here. You have like you have like end goals and intentions of one side versus end goals and intentions of the other side. So as far as what we've seen in the data, Phobos, the asteroid moon thing is is to a degree operational. You're talking about a ship, man. You're talking about this is a ship. This is this is a type two civilization ship. The Russians knew that. The Russians wanted to go there. They want the technology. Yes, exactly. While NASA is not focused on it, NASA is focused, well, heck, maybe it's because of the whole jump room stuff. What do we need that for? We got the <laughs> jump room. <laughs> you know what I mean? Great point. So so that's the deal with that. So NASA had literally said, no, we're not gonna, we're not going to Phobos. Like they're not gonna do it. They're focused on Mars. But I mean, even NASA lost the Mars Observer. Like they hmm. lost the Mars Observer when it was nearing Mars. It was three days from orbit and they lost contact. Why? You know, I mean, look, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. Absolutely. But the thing is, the military, ex-military remote viewers said the same thing about Mars Observer, that it was taken out. Right. We, I haven't viewed that one, but I think you could probably do a really interesting project with remote viewing where you're looking at all these failures and to see what caused each one. What really happened. And what really happened, because there's some skullduggery going on around Mars and Phobos. <laughs> Those guys, they're doing something bad. Well, I think this, this gets even more interesting when we take into consideration some of the other peripheral data that we've been talking about, which is um, Percival Lowell saying that there was a canal system there, and then something we haven't brought up yet, which is that certain people allegedly have been um, have been approached about going to Mars. Right. Laura Eisenhower, for instance. Now, this is the great granddaughter. Is it the great or? Yeah, double great. It's great. a great granddaughter great. of um, President Dwight D. Eisenhower. She is, uh, I'm not sure if you guys have seen any of her work before at home, but she's like, a, she's an astrologer. Very, actually, talented astrologer. Like, she just knows, that's her thing. Like, she knows about all of that stuff, right? Well, anyway... I guess because of her her family, her background, she describes being approached to go there and asked to go on a mission, and she refuses. But I think this is a little clip. Uh, Lindsay, you're going to play that? ...to go off-planet. In 2006, I was recruited to go off-planet to... Uh, uh, Mars, the planet Mars. A lot of people don't believe me. I get you know mail all the time, you're disinfo, you're crazy, blah, blah, blah. 
and you know it doesn't phase me at all it actually makes me stronger um, in a lot of ways because you know truth <laughs> doesn't need belief it just is it just it doesn't require it doesn't feed on anybody it doesn't steal that's right Dutch foundation hmm. yeah yeah I mean <clears throat> I do oh. find it curious like you know we brought this up earlier like where no not in the show but you know off to the side like how come you got the obama thing right with bizarre the president you've got laura eisenhower with the president you've got andrew basaggio who's gonna yeah. be president like what, Bastiago, what? I said what, it wrong what is this going on what's going on here you know <clears throat> so yeah what is going on here and <laughs> what does mars have to do with presidents i know right it's weird does it have something to do with the god of war i, I mean, mean what is really, it really that that's what's that's what I'm thinking. Like that just popped into my head too. Man, she looks yeah. just like her. She does. She looks. She is an Eisenhower. Like if right. there was an Eisenhower look, she's got it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, like what? What is that? Like why? And I mean, there's other weird things that you know. Why? Why was the last thing that Obama did before he was done in his presidency was to go down to Antarctica? There is a yeah. nothing in Antarctica. Do, okay, so. <clears throat> well, according to them, you know, like, why All would right. they do that, that? This is another show, man, because <laughs> if we go down that rabbit, because I got a lot of data on that. Yeah. Well, wait, let's we do to, that in another show. Yeah. We do. Antarctica kind of needs to be. <laughs> like, we're going to go from Mars, Phobos down to Antarctica. In, well, it would really, like, the connection there. Random, like, trains of thoughts here. The, the connection there was the president. So <laughs> yeah, the presidents and Obama. Right. That's how we got there just in case anyone needs to remember that. Oh, man. Okay, we're okay, going to do a show on Antarctica. Mark it down. But the So talking to Laura, right, her take on it was that there is a colony on Mars and, yep. and that there's experiments going on on Mars. Now, right. does this explain why someone from the surface of Mars would go to protect Phobos and that spacecraft I don't know. Right. Well, you have to think like, okay, is there a breakaway civilization on Mars? And it's literally humans that are doing that. Right. Right. Martians, but human. And human <clears throat> no, I haven't seen that. We didn't see that with that data. We right. didn't see that with that. Or like, you know, is NASA trying to protect Phobos or some, not NASA. I mean, come on. There are uh, some black project of the United States supposedly try to. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, because we haven't seen like humans involved with that. It's been, and so here's the other thing, right. <clears throat> the other side of it. We've looked at some of these um, anomalies on the surface um, and of Mars. Of Mars. So one particular anomaly, I can't even remember what it was at this point. So sorry about that. Um, there are plenty of them to look at. But mm. one particular anomaly, when we started to remote view it, we saw these reptoid like beings like multiple viewers are looking at rep reptilian type aliens and and immediately a couple of viewers and myself included started to hear alarm sounds and we were literally kicked out like pushed out psychically so they have some technology that's detecting that and this is a common thing in remote viewing. Like there are areas that you remote view that are purported alien bases or what on earth, it doesn't matter. And we call them viewer traps or. Wow. Look like, at that. Look yeah. at that image. Right. That looks reptilian of some lizard of some sort. Well, like I said in the previous episode, we've seen things like that, mm. like on the surface of Mars, mm -hmm. like life, lizardy type life on Mars. So, so we've, we've remote viewed these locations and been kind of chased out of them. Like they have a technology that can sense this stuff. And, but, you know, we find this kind of thing. It does happen. It happens to remote viewers. There are other remote viewers outside of me who have spoken about this, but yeah. So there are, there are these bases on Mars where there are other types of beings living there, um, have, have bases set up. And it seems to be the protection of Phobos is from one of those groups, as opposed to, you know, humans on the moon, mm -hmm. because that mm -hmm. thing's operational. Or it can be made operational, full of tech. My, it must be that. Why? Why else would the Russians go there? Right. Why pick such a random place to go? It's so random. Well, they've tried like how many times? Three or four times, at least publicly. Phobos one, Phobos two, 
Phobos Grunt, that was another one. Like that one got lost pretty much after it left the atmosphere. And the Russians, I think Medvedev was president at that time. And I mm -hmm. think that he was accusing the U.S. of taking it out. <laughs> or somebody took it out. That sounds like a very Russian thing to do. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there's 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 something going on. There's something something really interesting going on around Mars. Forbidden history, grisly ghosts, monstrous cryptids, and harrowing folklore dominate Japan's history and culture. Mysterious Japan is a bi-weekly podcast presenting these spine-chilling horror stories, urban legends, and unbelievable histories in a campfire story format. Many of these tales have never been presented in English before. Our journey takes place where dark history and supernatural folklore collide. Mysterious Japan is produced, written, and translated by recognized Japan expert Dr. Heath Avey. Season 1 relates the unbelievable legends and ghost stories from the so-called suicide forest. Listen to Mysterious Japan for free on Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Learn more at our website at themysteriousjapan.com and be transported by unbelievable stories where the lines between reality and folklore become blurred in the shadowlands of Japan. Once again, that's themysteriousjapan.com. I mean, who wouldn't want to have fear as your like little astronaut? <laughs> Good point. Yeah, that's that's strange. And I mean, it's it does. It's like it's such a small little satellite, too. I mean, the 17 miles by 14 miles by 11 miles or whatever it was. It's right. it's it's oddly shaped. And um, there, there's not much. I mean, there, there's an, it makes more sense that it would be just like it's a just i mean think about it how many moons have we seen that are like they're just asked it's an asteroid that just got caught up right in the i mean so they or, say. right what they say or in this case you know maybe it is just that maybe it is uh this type two civilization well i mean a lot of people do think that our moon is from a type two civilization mm. where it's basically just a giant spaceship you know, a lot of the weird data around the moon, the moon doesn't make sense. This, this is the thing. The moon does not make sense to a lot of scientists, physicists, physicists, to any of them, any of them. The moon yeah. doesn't make sense to them in any theory explanation that is conventional. And some of them has, have publicly stated this. I think Dr. There, there are tons of quotes. on right. this. Exactly. But the only thing that that explains it is that it is a giant spaceship. That's the only thing that, that, that can explain everything about the moon. But, you know, it can't be because there's nothing else out there. But I, I, you know what? We are actually beyond that. Forgive me. We are beyond, beyond that. I'm living in like, what? I'm living in 1995. I don't know. We are beyond the point now, I think, at least publicly, that at least advanced aircraft are moving through our skies because of all the Pentagon releases. And then, you know, they get into a huge like argument about it with each other saying there are no proof of aliens. Oh yeah, it's alien, you know? So, but I think, you know, this is just preparation for the project blue beam. <laughs> yeah. Do you, I mean, do you think that in our lifetimes that we'll see evidence of alien existence? Like actually legit, like it would be an well, open thing. There's a lot of evidence of alien existence on this planet. It just depends on wh who you trust. Authority figures who want to keep towing a certain line, they will tell you no. And they will probably always tell you no because this stuff is of the highest classification. And then there, the the rest, the people on the planet are are trained to laugh at it train just train totally. to laugh at it so that's still how it is but it's shifting towards wait there's yeah. something really happening but you have to understand like it's all nonsense right the pentagon releasing this stuff saying look at this weird stuff it's all nonsense this has been investigated and known and figured out and worked with for a very very long time and i'm not just saying that there are tons of researchers out there who have put the pieces together that would literally like 
provide tons of circumstantial evidence that would likely turn a court case towards them winning because of all the data and information available. It would. So, I mean, you even have, um, what's his name, who ran Project Hynek, Dr. Alan Hynek. I mean, Air Force brought out Project Blue Book in order to discredit the UFO phenomena. And Hynek turned into a more or less, uh, what the heck is going on here guy? Like, like I wouldn't say a believer, but a guy who was like, there's something going on here. That's right? yeah, not explainable. That's not explainable. And you have tons of researchers who have found really incredible things, but it gets buried, hidden, and denied completely. And my tact has always been, look, if you're interested in trying to understand what this, this is, go investigate it for yourself. It's like remote viewing. It's like people say, prove to me remote viewing works, and then I'll believe you. No, I'm not going to prove it. Look, I went on TV early on, like like mainstream yeah. TV shows, to, to try to prove remote viewing works. It doesn't work. If I sit here and I, and I, and I do stuff on paper, and I'm blind, and... I get it. I get things like lined up with what I was tasked on. People still don't believe it. They still don't believe it. The only way you can get anybody to believe it is if they do it themselves, like remote viewing. Like I don't like play with people who say, prove it to me. It's like, go learn it. You can learn it anywhere now. You know, I teach it all the time. I teach it. You can learn it off YouTube. That's how you learn it. Yeah. You want to know if UFOs are real? Go investigate it. Hmm. Go, go investigate it yourself. Have an open mind. Well, and and I mean, just to explain that, why? I mean, why would we be so willing to believe authority figures on almost anything right We're now? Trained. Really think about it. It's like, think about how many agendas are out there right. to either protect, you know, um, uh, just work that these corporations are doing, intellectual property, or or just simply protecting having to rewrite all of the history books right. because we got it wrong. Right. I mean, I, I, on a on a weekly basis, I come across anomalies that would rewrite history. Right. No one's addressing it. It's no. ridiculous. Like, go if you honestly screw for Phobos. Go to Africa and actually see what's in Africa. It, like what, what's, what's in Africa, Africa will blow your mind. There are species of animals in Africa that exist nowhere else on the planet. No one's talking about. And if you talk to the tribes people, they'll tell you what they've seen or what they've experienced over the last hundred years that would completely rewrite what people think about the extinction, you know, oh, right, right. periods and all of that stuff. I mean, yeah, don't even get me started on the whole extinction ball game. That's right. Just ridiculousness that's it, ridiculousness yeah it is and and i mean yeah. never mind i mean uh, just so many things that we can't explain and we're so unwilling to fit anything new into that like where has where has the wonder that people used to have gone i mean right. the reason why percival lowell was so interested in mars is because it, he was finding new stuff that ended up just getting swept under the rug because of one account you know, where there were, you know, several others. We don't know what's actually going on. I need a telescope to look myself, you know? Right, right, right. Well, you know, that's the thing too. Like with, with him, there were a lot of people on his, on his camp because it's through observation, right? Then you have one person come in and publicly naysay it. So this is, this is like literally the psychological tactic. If you go on to his message forum um, and you find some interesting piece of information there, somebody's presented it, People are starting to talk about it and you're reading through it. The, there is going to be a naysayer that, that is injected into it to say why it can't be. And then the energy stops. You lose interest. This is a psychological uh, tactic, complete, total psychological tactic. Whether that thing is true or not, just to get people's minds off it, kill the energy of it, slow it down so it doesn't go anywhere beyond that. This is this is normal freaking tactic that's always used. See it all the time. Yeah, and it's and it and it's frustrating because we like human beings thinking they know everything has got to be the biggest joke around. Right. Really think about it. Like 
you know, and, and part of it is this hubris around creating technology, which they don't even know where it came from. They right. don't even, honestly don't even know. Like we were, we were functioning for literally hundreds of thousands of years, you know, and, it, and if you really look at history and really what's out there, potentially millions of years. Right. Where this technology, potentially we didn't have this technology and all of a sudden it's this like random technology that comes into play. Now, if you know enough, you know that there was something that happened before there was there was technology before the flood. There was Atlantean technology or something like that. Very interesting stuff. Um, but point is, is like humans have been around for a really long time. Like thinking that we know everything is 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 hysterical. Right. Give me a break. You don't even right. know what's in your oceans. And, and you you are somehow like smart enough to know what physicists have and haven't discovered or scientists, these so-called like every single one of these so-called like professionals or these so-called experts have their own personal baggage that gets inserted into everything that they say every time they open their mouths. Right. You know? It's like right. having to go to a couple of different doctors to really figure out what's going on. Why are you listening to one scientist tell you your business when they don't know? Right. They've only experienced one thing and are looking at it from one angle. And then they give you their assessment and you're like, okay, thank you. Right. Well, I mean, you know, this is something that we've discussed before in the past. It's like science has become the new dogma and the, the scientists have become the high priests, the gatekeepers of a, another realm of information. And they are the ones that you go to, to get that information. They are the ones that you go to, to tell you what's right and what's wrong. And they're set up in that way as the authorities that are guarding that gate. And you need to go through the indoctrination system of the colleges to get that piece of paper that says that you can become one of those gatekeepers because you've been brainwashed. Really, that's really what it is. Of course, scientific method is one thing. But yeah, but the scientists are not even using this. Right. Exactly. Because if they did, they would be looking at what Graham Hancock has been saying and they would actually give it a shot instead of attacking his his right. character. Right. And all they're doing is bring him bringing stuff up, which actually makes rational sense, gets completely cut off at the knees because they start attacking his character. Right. Which is literally the number one thing that you don't do if you're a credible person journalist or credible person you never attack character you go after the source so that you can get to the bottom of whether it's truthful or not why is it that science has been functioning for for so long in a way that is attacking characters yeah, rather than talking good, about the substance. really good question right because they're trained to do that in their peer review in the in the peer review they're trained to attack like just be total a-holes and to attack. We will never learn the truth when people are attacking one another instead of looking at actual objective it's truth. Strange, That's not right? scientific method at all. They're yeah. literally undermining science right, right. by doing all of that. Right, right, exactly. I know, I know. Yeah, and you know, this is not all scientists. This is not all scientists. Some of the scientists out there are actually, you know, probably pretty good. They're probably trying to follow this, but I guarantee you if they're really honest and they start bringing up stuff that goes against the narrative and they have proof, it's a very long process or an arduous process to even get something published or they come out with something and it's royal. They get royally attacked by everyone, you know, right? right. That shouldn't be. How are we yeah. going to find out the truth if that happens every time someone finds something new? Right. Garrett, you I mean, and also people forget it's like Einstein's theory of relativity is a theory. Right. He stated up front. He's like, this is the best that I can make it. It's a theory. Right. It's meant to be rewritten. And then it's like, if you start even touching that, you know, right. and, and, and honestly, scientists don't even know how all of this works. Like the three different methods they use to construct their hypotheses revolved around the theory of relativity, string theory, you know, electromagnetics, that sometimes they're completely at odds with one another while they're building this stuff. And they're like, I don't know how it works, but this is, you know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you know, it's weird. Yep. I know. It's very strange. I don't know. I mean, this is, this is how people are trained in order to combat those things that will blow our minds to take us outside of our, our specific worldviews that are being created for us 
So, you know, and that's, you know, it's like you get to Mars, you get to Phobos, you get to things that have happened in our solar system, these, these locations where there were older civilizations that are apparent um, when you look at satellite photography of these locations, like on Mars. Um, yet, I mean, you, you get shut down as just being totally nuts because it's like, that is like, how many steps is that beyond um, just getting to know that there are anomalous craft in the sky, right? Ancient civilizations on another planet, people just aren't there yet as far as being opened up to it yet. But I think that there is potentially that beginning to happen now with some of the leaks on the, you know, these Pentagon UFOs. So, so that, that to me is kind of a good sign but you should never be looking to the government to reveal to you, you know, that well, these things yeah. are real. And I think that's a big problem that, that we have, like you were saying, we just keep going back to the authority figures. But it's just, it's strange because, you know, I mean, you and I both know this, John, cause we're old enough to know this, but it's like in the eighties and the nineties, the last thing you were going to do is trust the government. <laughs> and it, right. and it was okay. You were still voting. You were still into the entire thing, but you were just kind of like, yeah, okay. But you know, right. I'll trust myself on this one or whatever. Right. right. But now all of a sudden things have shifted in a way where it's like either it's a very strange, something happened over the last 10 to 15 years where it all shifted over into like really trusting authority figures over everyone else. I think because there's so much fear on, on there's so much fear that people are going to believe something that's untrue right. perhaps, or, or that this, this kind of comfortable narrative that's been placed in front of us is being threatened somehow. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a, it's a curious thing. It's like, yeah, I know exactly what you're saying there's uh there's the beginnings of a huge shutdown on thinking and only trusting authorities but sometimes i wonder if that only exists in the bubble of bots online as well as the mainstream media like they live in their own weird little bubble of this and it's not how the world thinks anymore i almost feel like part of this is like bots in social media propagating like these these ideas when you present ideas that are different and then the mainstream media only saying like living in the bubble that everybody feels this way everybody thinks this way because since the smith munt act was repealed the mainstream media is now really controlled and funded by government mm. when it wasn't before and that was something obama had repealed just before he left and it was in the dead of night, quiet, that he repealed it, which gave, which literally repealed the law of propaganda on U.S. citizens through mainstream media. So now all mainstream media is compromised because of this. So I don't really know if these, the mainstream media exists within its own bubble. And that's not how people feel. They're just trying to influence and get people to think that's how everyone else feels. I'm not sure. I am not sure about that. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't know how people can change that fast, but I do know that they love to engineer the younger generations to get them to not believe in something. And we do see that that is happening. Yeah. Well, just to touch, to turn, turn uh, direction here again, Lindsay, you pulled up a really interesting image over there. And I think we were talking about this monolith before, but I don't think it was really clear to people how strange this thing looks, this monolith on Phobos. Right. I mean, when you're talking about the entire structure of like, how, how does this just randomly appear when there's nothing else on that? Unless it is actually some type of created structure that was put there. And this is the monolith that you looked into, John, isn't it? Yeah, that's the one we looked at. Yeah, it, it was a, it was the connection point to the interior, as well as as it it was acting as some sort of antenna on top of it. I mean, that's what it looks like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It looks it looks flat and almost smooth on that side too. Yeah, it was it was as far as I remember, it was like a metallic, very dense, thick metallic, but it was also felt natural at the same time. Um, some natural artificial thing, just like that 
you know, asteroid moon, same kind of, same kind of deal. It's like, it's, it's a, it's a natural structure that has been somehow turned artificial. Oh, and that's where it is. Is that what that's telling us? Interesting. The Martian surface feature in question is no more than a roughly rectangular boulder. Really, though? When does that happen? Again, there's nothing else around there that looks even remotely similar. And this thing's just sticking up. And they think that that is just yeah, a rectangular yeah. boulder. Well, yeah. I mean, look, you're, you're a NASA scientist. Your, 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 your employer, the one who pays your, you know, pays for your life is NASA. You're not going to say it's an artificial structure. So it's, it's a boulder, man. Get over it. <sighs> it's, it's just a boulder. But what's also interesting is we're talking about a photo that was taken from however far away. It's not like you're interacting with that right. thing. And you've got an expert saying that it's this. This is what it is. Right. But they don't know that that's what it is. No, they don't. They don't. That, that's what drives me crazy about this right. whole thing is it's like, you know, if, if, if an expert um, plumber comes over my house and tells me to put a toilet in the middle of the kitchen, I'm going to tell him he's crazy and leave whether right. he's calling himself an expert or not. Right. You know, it's just a bizarre bizarre world we live in right now it's like i think pe it's like people's character has been taken out of the equation when it's an right. extremely important factor in the entire thing you know so weird so okay we've got um is there anything else that we missed about mars that we want to talk about because we're we're getting we're getting close to the end of this uh one thing to note is that there is a planned journey to phobos now like soon, I guess there, there is supposed to be a launch in, I think the Japanese, right? Yes. Yeah. dude. So Martian moon exploration. MMX is a robotic space probe that will be sent to Phobos to get examples. It'll be led by the Japanese aerospace exploration agency, JAXA with instruments contributed by American NASA, European space agency and France. So, okay, so European Space Agency and France, which I think Russia is a part of that. So I think, you know, it'll be very interesting to see what they do. And I think another thing that maybe some of you at home will find very interesting is if you really look at the amount of money that's been funneled into NASA which is a tremendous amount of money. And you take into consideration a couple of points, which is one, that the technology that Ma NASA is using hasn't really changed since the 1960s. It's the same technology. Yeah. And we're talking about trillions of dollars where these things look like they should cost maybe billions. But right. trillions and trillions of dollars have been funded, funneled into NASA, and some of that money is even missing. Right. How is so? If we've got missing trillions of dollars, and we're talking about launches happening all the time, is there potentially more black operations going on with these launches than we're aware of? Oh yeah, absolutely. You'd bet your ass. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, and it's funny too. It's like using the same, this is the weird thing. Look at how computers have from the 1970s, like, like, you know, your, your phone, your phone is more powerful than the computers from the 1970s. That the, the way technology, that technology has, oh man, just like, like turned into something completely different from that start point. Now look at our transportation technology. Gone nowhere. Huh? Planes. Nowhere. <laughs> Rockets. Oh, come nowhere. on. Like fuel, gas powered cars. Oh, wait. Now we have batteries. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. G give me a break. Give me a break. And the main it's, company it's so that, that is literally like, like pushing the battery cars is called Tesla, which is an affront to Tesla, which is an affront to Tesla. So come on. Come on, man. Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. No. 
technology really those never planes. changed on transportation. Yeah. And like they, you know, they were doing a little bit at some point. It was like, oh, there was the Concorde. It was a little bit faster, right? Right. And then they even retired the Concorde and just nothing happened. Right. No development. Right. It's shut down. It's shut down completely. And you walk down. into one of those or like walk by one of those like cockpits that they have um, for the planes and the, the the same cockpit from like the 1970s. Right. Right. It's like not nothing has changed. Like it's nothing's complete changed. analog mess. Right. You know. Right. right. And still using uh, fuel, just gas, basically. Jet fuel. Jet form of gas, gas, yeah, jet fuel. So combination of different things, but basically sending firecrackers into the air with rockets and whatnot. So technology's not changed at all on that front. It's actually and, and yet it's changed so much in the palm of our hand, which just right. is really interesting because really if you think about it, surveillance wise. Well, that's this why makes that's why we such got good sense. Now. Right. This is why we have them. Yes. Because like if you're going to introduce technology, it would have to double as doing something. Exactly. But now it's like like that's I mean the, the, the it's so crazy, man. It's crazy. Like it used to be in the in the olden days, somebody had to come into your house and put a little bug, a, a microphone behind like the faceplate of your uh outlet or something so it had in one of your little you right. know mice right. statues that are yeah these guys i mean now like everybody's got a bug on them camera All and microphone <laughs> and and we implemented it ourselves and everybody's we, so happy to have one <laughs> yeah i know they're listening and everyone will say that too i'm sure they're listening i don't care i don't care i don't do anything wrong other than you know you have a right to privacy you have a right to privacy. Well, and and they what they don't realize is that all that stuff can be used to blackmail them at any time. Right. Which is, you know. If they get out of line. Right. Yeah. Crazy. Well, anyway. Um, yeah, I think that last segment was really just talking about the God of War there. Yeah, fear <laughs> and the God of War. We <laughs> were talking way. about Provost. Um. Well, anyway, why don't we um, wrap up this episode? Is there anything else that you'd like to say about our red planet in the sky? No, I don't think I want to go there anymore, though, after this discussion. <laughs> Seriously. And and actually, there is there is more. And we may actually follow up with some yeah. episodes at some point about this. Um, but just wanted to uh, appreciate you, John. Appreciate everyone at home for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. But yeah, John, um, thanks so much for being with us, man. All right. And for all of you at home, I hope you thought this episode was as out of this world as we did. <laughs>